0: I'm Carrie Dozer, and this is TGen Talks. When it comes to infectious diseases and deadly viruses, COVID-19 has dominated the headlines for much of the past two and a half years. Now that the number of COVID infections worldwide has slowed, and vaccines and treatments have vastly reduced the number of COVID deaths, an old and familiar bacteria is once again the number one infectious cause of death. On this episode of TGen Talks, we talk tuberculosis, and we find out why this disease has been so prevalent and so deadly for so long. We're here at TGen North again for this episode of TGen Talks, and our guest today is Megan Folkerts. Megan, nice to meet you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be at TGen?
1: Yeah. So my name is Megan Folkerts. Um, I'm a microbial geneticist. And my research has primarily focused on trying to understand the mechanisms by which bacteria do the things they do to try to understand how that influences health and disease states when a a bacteria infects a human being. And so I I came to TGen because I was very interested in some of the infectious disease work um, that we have going on here. I originally started in the microbiome core and then transitioned to TB research Um, where I've been very interested in learning more about uh, antibiotic resistance and TB.
0: TB is tuberculosis. And I think most of our listeners probably are shrugging a little bit and saying, what's the big deal about TB? What is the big deal about TB?
1: So living here in the United States, you have probably not encountered TB. So you probably are wondering what the big deal is. Well, here's what the big deal is. So in the developing world, TB affects approximately a third to a quarter of the, of the total world's population. So we're talking 2 billion people are currently infected with latent tuberculosis. And annually, we have about 10 million new infections with this, this disease and it causes approximately 1.5 million deaths. So while you don't hear about it in the United States in other parts of the world, this is actually the number one killer by a pathogen, except for in the past few years, COVID has taken that title. Um, but, but prior to COVID and in now in 2022 and going into 2023, this is the leading cause of death by a pathogen. And so it's, it's a huge deal that, that we're studying this particular organism.
0: Why don't we see it as much in the United States?
1: So tuberculosis is, is endemic in regions of the world where um, there are high rates of poverty and people are living you know, in substandard living conditions, uh, a lot of crowding. We're very fortunate in the United States that we generally don't experience this, and so we have a much lower prevalence of this disease. But we
0: obviously still see TB. Where in the United States do we see it?
1: So oftentimes when we see TB, it's people that have traveled. So people have, that have gone to these regions um, where TB is endemic. We also will occasionally have, have outbreaks in institutions and, and jails and things like that where people are being housed close together.
0: And is that why it's so important? Is that your why? So that we can help to treat TB where we see it? Or is this more about a, a global solution?
1: I view it as a global solution. You know, the the, the number of people in the world that this impacts, you know, this is a huge deal. What's the
0: focus of your research? What is it that you are Mm -hmm. looking into at TGen? And if there's a question that you are seeking to answer, what would it be?
1: So the focus of our research is, is looking at trying to better diagnose uh, and, and treat antibiotic-resistant infections in tuberculosis. Um, so antibiotic-resistant infections in tuberculosis, like most bacteria, um, is on the rise. And it presents a huge problem for treatment. Um, first of all, you know, talking about these areas where TB is endemic, even just getting access to a correct diagnosis that says these people do, in fact, have a resistant infection is sometimes difficult. And so some of our work is, is focused on trying to design better diagnostics that will allow patients uh, or allow clinicians to apply these diagnostics to patients and know right in that moment, um, what antibiotics to, to give to a patient. We're also interested in, in learning more about how antibiotic resistance actually progresses, because for some of our newer line TB treatments, you know, the full spectrum of what causes antibiotic resistance still isn't known. And so if we can model that here at Tegen, um it can give us better insight onto, uh, into um, how not only to prevent or to reduce the likelihood of antibiotic resistance, but to how better to treat antibiotic resistant infections when they arise.
0: I guess my next question is how do you research TB if There isn't any TB around to Mm. research. Not that many people in the United States suffer from it. So how do you conduct that research?
1: So we have collaborations uh, with universities in areas where TB is endemic. So South Africa, um, Moldova, uh, Malawi, places in the Philippines. Um, We collaborate with both medical doctors and researchers there um, that are actually seeing high-volume TB patients. And so those samples actually come from those regions uh, straight here to TGEN.
0: Are the samples of TB that you receive from these far-flung places, are they the same? Do they look the same? Do they behave the same as TB you might find in, say, a a prison setting or someplace in the United Mm -hmm. States where you find cases of TB?
1: I would say that it's not one of the issues you have in these places where TB is endemic is people often have uh, higher levels of comorbidity. So different diseases on top of the tuberculosis that make the tuberculosis even more dangerous. And, you know, tuberculosis has been around for millennia, infecting, infecting people, you know, for thousands of years. And so there are what we call different lineages of tuberculosis so that the genome is actually different. And so um these, these samples that are coming from regions where TB is endemic, I would say that they're not going to be quite the same as a sample you would receive in the United States.
0: You mentioned how long tuberculosis has been around. Yeah. What is the first recorded um, case of it, if I can yeah. call it a case? And what was it called?
1: Um, I don't know that I know what it's called, but we found it in Egyptian mummies. So we're talking several thousand years that we know of that this has been infecting humans.
0: Does that mean it's a strong bacteria, a stubborn bacteria? It, it by itself is a tough guy?
1: Extremely so. So if you, um, I don't know if you know how much about um, how TB actually infects a human being, but you have an immune system. And what your immune system normally does is if if a bacteria inhabits you, you have immune cells that actually attack those bacteria. Well, in the case of tuberculosis, it's evolved to live inside those immune cells. And so when your immune cells actually attack tuberculosis, tuberculosis just inhabits those cells and thrives. And it makes it nearly impossible for your body to clear the infection once it's started. And that's why 2 billion people are currently infected with latent tuberculosis.
0: Latent means it's not showing up, you don't have any
1: symptoms, but it's there. And it can recur at any time? At absolutely any time. If that person's immune system weakens in any way, um, they'll stop be, being able to contain it within these immune cells, and it will, it will become an active case, and that person will actually have symptoms.
0: When we first met, you said how excited you were to be here. You're super excited to be at TGen because of the technology and the team. Tell me about the new technology that is in your lab and how you use it to research TB.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of types of really interesting technology that we use. Um, one type of technology that we have, it's been around for, for several years now. We call it single molecule overlapping read technology. Now, that's a really complicated it's name. It's terribly complex, it's but terribly I'm here to try to
0: help you yeah. help me understand.
1: So what this means is, um, without getting into too much of the technical details of it, is it's a type of sequencing technology that allows us to detect uh, drug-resistant mutations when they occur at very, very, very low levels in a patient. And so why that's important is because if you can detect drug resi- resistance in a patient as soon as it arises, you can change that patient's treatment immediately and make sure that they're always getting the correct, the correct antibiotic. And so that technology is something that we're trying to develop to go from this setting here at TGen to something that could actually be delivered to the patient's bedside so that a clinician can use it to detect drug resistance right when it arises. What is the BSL-3 lab? What does that mean? So BSL-3 stands for biosafety level three. So there are four biosafety levels of organisms um, and they increase in complexity as you go up. And so biosafety level one refers to organisms that really aren't capable of causing disease. Biosafety level four refers to organisms that cause disease that, for which there's often not a vaccine and for which they're usually highly lethal. So we are just one level down below that with the biosafety level three facility. And what this facility is, is it's, a, it's an enclosed room that contains multiple barriers in place so that a researcher can safely work with, with the tuberculosis itself, without being at risk of actually being infected by the organism. What does that look like? So our BSL-3 is quite small, and it's not uncommon for these rooms to be small because of the nature of the work that happens there. So you're talking like a 10 by 10 foot room. Um, And that room is a, a room that has a high level of gas exchange and is always under negative pressure. So if something were to happen in that room... It air is flowing into the room rather than out, and it keeps the rest of the building safe. Um, within that room, to even go into that room, you need a significant amount of safety gear on. So I have will have um, a personal air-powered respirator on um, that keeps me from, from being able to inhale anything that might happen in that room, and that's HEPA-filtered. Wow. The room itself contains what's called a biosafety cabinet. So this, if you've ever seen a fume hood, is uh-huh. Familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks like a big fume hood, um, but it's got a duct that goes to the outside that's also HEPA filtered, and there's air exchanging in that cabinet at a rapid rate. And so we work in with with the TB actually inside of that cabinet. So when you think about all of this, there's really three barriers in place. There's the room itself, there's this biosafety cabinet, and then you, there's the the purifying uh, air helmet that you're wearing, and all of that is just designed to keep you from ever ever coming into contact with the TB.
0: There's a huge difference between the way uh, you do your research and the way you regard tuberculosis Mm -hmm. and the way that most Americans probably think of the disease. Yeah. I guess that should be warning enough that it is serious. The way you guys treat it is the way we should. Absolutely, absolutely. If your research has an end of the road, a final Mm -hmm. question, or if there's a final finish line in mind, what is it?
1: You know, I think there's two finish lines in mind. So one is diagnostics. Um, Right now, the access to diagnostics in some of these countries is is really poor. And it means that patients don't get the correct antibiotics initially because they just don't have access to something that can tell them what the resistant profile is. If we're successful in our research, what that means is that these these rapid fire diagnostics that we're building would be right at a patient's bedside and, and could be applied multiple times throughout treatment to ensure that as that patient is receiving treatment, that it's always the, the exact correct um, antibiotics that are needed. So that's one endpoint. The other endpoint is, you know, I think in order for that to ever happen, we have to completely and totally understand how antibiotic resistance is even happening. And that's really what we're trying to do in our biosafety level three facility with our in vitro modeling, is, is actually working with the organism and understanding, you know, how, how do these changes in the genome confer antibiotic resistance because all of that is is different pieces of the same puzzle and all of those puzzle pieces have to be in place for us to be successful.
0: Compared to, to these other uh, bacterial infections, how, how much do we know about tuberculosis?
1: I would say that we know quite a lot. So we've been treating tuberculosis for quite a long period of time and some of our treatment regimens have been in place for you know, 70, 80 years, um, something along that, that lines. But there's still a lot of questions we don't know, you know, and as antibiotic resistance progresses, then it forces us to find new treatments. And every time we, we alter a treatment regimen, you know, now we're back to the drawing board. We have to relearn all of these different mechanisms and, and try, to, try to understand um, how these mechanisms contribute to antibiotic resistance every time we're presented with this new challenge.
0: Not only tough, but tricky. A tricky, yes. tough bacteria. Extremely so in the course of your research, how often do you publish a paper or otherwise release findings that you've made here at TGen and contribute that knowledge to the, the general public?
1: Very regularly, very regularly. So I've been with the TB Corps for about two years. And in that time, we've we've published a couple of papers and have a, a few more manuscripts in preparation. Um, but prior to my joining the TB Corps, you know, we're, we're talking several publications a year. And, and that's fairly fairly good actually for scientific research and so and a lot of that is fueled by the number of collaborations we have that really allows us to get our research out there as much as possible
0: when we initially met you talked about how excited you were to be here at TGen you've been here a little over two years why were you so excited to come here
1: Um, you know, I just, I'm really excited about the work at TGEN and I'm really excited to be doing something that has an impact on so many people. You know, I've, I've studied a lot of different mechanisms and bacteria. This is, this is by far, um, the one that has the, the, the highest, um, potential implications. And so it's, it's really exciting for me to get to take, you know, all of this knowledge that I've built over the years and then apply it to this, this huge global problem.
0: I wish you luck. I hope you find great things. Megan Folkerts, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much has been great.
0: For more on TGen's research, go to tgen.org/news. The Translational Genomics Research Institute, part of City of Hope, is an Arizona-based nonprofit medical research institution dedicated to conducting groundbreaking research with life-changing results. You can find more of these podcasts at tgenorg Talks, Apple and Spotify, and most podcast platforms. For TGen Talks, I'm Carrie Dozer.